Welcome, my loves, to the School of You podcast, where we discuss sensitive topics and attempt to unload and unravel these unresolved traumas together. I will give advice and my opinion based on my own experiences and experiences of others in my circle. So let's get started, shall we? And today's topic, we're going to talk about dysfunctional family. Is this real? And nine out of 10, the answer is absolutely, this is real. Okay, dysfunctional families are common. It's more common than you might think. Okay, most families have at least some degree of dysfunction. So do not think that you are alone. Do not think that you are alone at all because you're not. Dysfunctional families... They are ones where you have like family members and they just, they negative, they just negative, right? They have negative patterns of behavior and it calls harm to everyone that is within their circle. And a lot of times dysfunctional family members have a tendency to attack those that is within their immediate, um, I have a lot of dysfunctional family members and I myself, once if you're raised in that environment, you will initially inherit a lot of those dysfunctional ways because it's almost like a fight or flight type of situation. Um, You have a tendency to, how can I say, you have a tendency to adapt to your environment. So it's that nature versus nurture type of situation. And you're not, you don't even realize that some of what you inherited, although it was survival, but you normalize this dysfunction because there was no other example. This is what you was taught on how to address a situation. Unfortunately, it was a dysfunctional way to address the situation. So for example, if you're always yelling, like in my family, we yell a lot, use a lot of profanity. It's almost as if like no one is being heard, but yeah, everyone wants to be heard. And anyone in a normal family knows that you're not going to be heard yelling at each other. And actually it's just going to escalate the situation. It's going to create more tension. It's going to create more of a rift between Um, the parties, and it's just going to be unresolved conflict. You're not going to leave that argument feeling like that you was hurt. You're not going to leave that argument feeling like you resolved anything. You're not going to leave that argument healthier. Okay, 9 out of 10, you're going to leave it bitter. You're going to leave with resentment. You're going to probably leave with some form of hatred right so growing up in a dysfunctional family it's hard to break that cycle because you have a lasting because growing up in a dysfunctional family it has a lasting impact on your life you have a tendency to some people have a tendency to lack love um support stability 
they often struggle to develop healthy relationships later on in their life. Some just never create those relationships at all because of the abuse that they endured, whether it was substance abuse, whether you participated in it or you just witnessed it, whether it was verbal, physical abuse, mental abuse, even if you was around criminal behavior, that is a form of a dysfunctional family. The fact that um, someone, especially they were repeated offender, because a lot of times, especially um, in poverty stricken areas, you don't see the um, the the head, the male head of the family. Now that I understand is a woman, unfortunately, heading that family. So when you do have a male role model, young boys, even young girls have a tendency to attach themselves to what they see and what's relatable. And then they start to normalize that behavior. So someone is constantly going to jail or have criminal behavior, and this is what you are accustomed to, you're going to think that that's okay eventually. Those of you all who are smart enough to know, like, this is not the way to go, that's great. But you you had an example somewhere. You idolized someone who was opposite. Everyone does not have that enlightenment. So you do have a tendency of admiring those who you see, who you can touch, other than someone who's just on TV. But all of those things contribute to dysfunctional family. It can affect your mental health. You can you can develop anxiety, depression. It's it's a really huge hurdle to have to overcome, and it's not fair, but it's necessary in order for you to not cause or engage in self-destructive behavior or to suffer because you, a lot of times you will internalize, although you know that it is wrong, a lot of times those that grow up in dysfunctional families, they are considered like the black sheep if they go against the grain. And so you will learn to not be so vocal or you're being vocal, but in a, but it's in an aggressive way because that's what you're used to. So once again, being part of a dysfunctional family does not help you. Even if you try to vocalize it, you're the minority. The dysfunctional mentality is the majority. You cannot win that. And I'm speaking from experience. You cannot win that. You just cannot. And the more that you evolve, the more aggressive the dysfunctional family members are going to be towards you. Whether it's verbally aggressive, physically aggressive, mentally aggressive, they will have you self-doubt. Because the thing about it is, you saw something that they could not see. You made sense of you made sense of something that was not supposed to be made sense of. And what I mean by that is that you looked at the situation and you made sense of the fact that this is not normal. And someone has to break this. This is a curse. So you recognize that and then you take steps 
in righting those wrongs for yourself. If you have kids, for your kids, for your future kids, future grandkids, you're trying to break something that has been normalized. That is not easy to do. And so you get a lot of back talk. You get a lot of negativity coming your way. And it's not for the weak. This is not for the weak because you have to understand this is something new that you are discovering and this is something new that you're trying to implement and this is something positive. The devil has been allowed to run rampant within your family for probably generations. And so you call yourself trying to bring some enlightenment and some positivity into the situation baby the devil ain't gonna let you come and take what he feel like is his okay what he marinated for years he's not it's not about to go like that that is a war that you're fighting and please believe like i told you before you're the minority so unless you have several other family members within your immediate family or even extended family that is vocal and that can support you and will stand there by your side and fight this battle with you, unfortunately, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose that battle. And this is where the next step comes in at. And it's how to deal with a dysfunctional family. We all know kind of the ideas of what a dysfunctional family look like. You know, alcoholism is a huge uh, substance that is abused on, you know, in my family. And I, I've seen personally the downside to alcoholism. And I was the minority in my family right i i seen the the thought process i just seen the destruction of alcohol what alcoholism can do to a family and it is the devil's drink there's no other way to explain it it is the devil's drink now i'm not saying that you're alcoholic just because you go out and you drink with your friends or you have a glass of wine no i'm talking about drinking excessively or you, this is your go-to. This is how you cope. You go instantly to alcohol. You cannot be without it. You need it. That's an addiction. That's an addiction. Because they have a tendency to rule your movements. Anything is, is an addiction that has the capabilities of controlling your life movements. Like everything is surrounded by this substance. you might want to stop, analyze that, and ask yourself, do I plan my life around this? Whether it's excessive shopping, whether um, it's excessive smoking, um, even though I think nothing wrong um, with, um, with cannabis, um, as long as it's used respectfully and responsibly and of age, I see nothing wrong with it. Um, however, I feel as if everyone cannot partake, can partake, take in substance. 
you have to know your boundaries. You have to know your limitations. And I feel that if you already suffer from a, uh, a mental illness or um, or emotional, any form of emotional or physical abuse, or if you have an addiction already, regardless of what it is, that means you have an addictive behavior. You should not be taking substances. You can fall, like you can literally jump. You can jump. You can you you can instantly jump, and you don't even need to go bungee jumping. Like you gonna jump over that cliff, whether you want to or not. You don't have the um, you don't have the strength, and nor do you have the discipline to subtract yourself from that. So this is where you probably need counseling or therapy to help you navigate through those walls, so you can tear those down. Because if you still have things going on in your life that's unresolved, you're going to look for an out. And unfortunately, those who have grown up in dysfunctional families with substance abuse, you have a tendency to go to that substance. Or you have a tendency to sit here and say, well, I do, I shop obsessively. Yes, I know I have a shopping problem, but that's better than... You know, my family members over here that drinks alcohol all day because who am I hurting? Well, they can say the same thing. Who are they hurting? Right? Who, who are they hurting? They drink at home. Who are they hurting? It's not really a comparison. An addiction is an addiction. Period. You still have to get to the root of why when you try to cope with a situation that makes you uncomfortable why do you go that route? Why are you so focused on this? Why you need this to help you cope? So you need a therapist to help you get through that. Now, let's talk about dealing with dysfunctional family members. And a lot of this information um, I got from a site called Love to Know. And it's a site about life, relationships, family ties, definitions, and dynamics. And it's by, um, I believe that she is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And her name is Gabrielle Appleberg. Oh, I hope I didn't butcher her name. But anyway, I came across this site and I just thought the information here was amazing and it has to be shared. She stated that a dysfunctional family is one without healthy and appropriate boundaries and behaviors. Okay. For example, okay, this can include abuse, right? Like we said, it could be mental abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse. It can be substance abuse. Poor communication and conflict resolution skills was something we also just discussed. People have a tendency in dysfunctional families, you're not taught to effectively communicate because the generation before you did not know how to effectively communicate. Then the generation before them did not know how to effectively communicate and so forth and so on. Okay, not saying that your family did not all that this was your family's uh, dynamic, but somewhere along the way, 
effective communication no longer existed. And for future generations, for future generations, because no one was there to teach effective communication, because no one knew how to engage appropriately, all you do is yell and scream at each other. And sometimes you do it and it's like uh it's, it's, it's just almost like it's second nature. You could be talking to your friends and they like, why are you so aggressive? And you're like, I'm not aggressive, but you are. But this is what you're used to. Uh, unhealthy coping skills. Unhealthy coping skills is, like I said, something that is not beneficial to you at all. Like excessive drinking is not beneficial to you. Anything that you do excessively is not beneficial to you. Smoking excessively is not beneficial to you. Okay, so anything that is not that you're doing that's not building you up is a negative coping skill. Parentification, you know, of children, placing children in unsafe situations, placing extremely high and unattainable expectations on other family members. Okay, and behaving unpredictably and erratically. So. If you have the one that stated that placing extremely high and unattainable expectations on other family members, you have family members that is the first in their family to do a lot of things. And nine out of 10, that is the person who was the black sheep in their family because they seen that the dynamics was dysfunctional and it was something that needed to be broken. And if the family was not there to support you, you have to do it on your own. You have to run that solo. You have to break yourself all the way down to rebuild yourself all the way back up. And that is not easy to do. But your future self would thank you. 10 years, just see where you at. You would thank yourself, honestly. Um, but that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure to put on someone because uh, obtaining success also means that you have to carry the rest of your family along with you, right? That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a heavy weight, like that's a heavy weight load. That's a heavy load to have to carry. That's a heavy load to put on anyone, People do not understand that those in their family who was the first to do something, there was a lot of sacrifice that was done on that individual's part to make those things happen. But you do have family members that will be jealous of your accomplishments, but they don't know what sacrifices you have made or still making, right? Because you can, a lot of times you cannot move in your professional circle the same way that you move in your personal circle so a lot of people that is climbing up that ladder and is breaking these generational curses give them some slack because you wasn't able to do it give them some slack because while you out here living your best life they have to walk around imposter syndrome and those of you all who are experiencing this, you know what imposter syndrome is. You know you have to have two faces. You know you have to code switch. And that takes a lot of discipline to do. 
So if you grew up in a dysfunctional family, you may have problems trusting other people. You may experience low self-esteem and self-doubt, which I experienced a lot of self-doubt within these past, within this past year, but specifically these past couple of years, I would experience something devastating, a devastating loss of my grandmother. And the way I thought my family would come together, that is not what had happened. And so you start seeing people for who they are, but you also start seeing, understanding how people really think of you. And there's no reason, there's no point in trying to rationalize that. It was always there. It was just always there. But it does cause self-doubt. It does. And unless you have a really good psychiatrist, psychologist, a therapist, a counselor, it, it's you need help getting out of that. Because you'll start blaming yourself for other people's wrongdoings, which is not healthy for you. You experience various mental health symptoms, uh, symptoms um, associated with, like I said, anxiety, depression, PTSD, personality disorders, or disassociative disorders. You may even self-medicate with drugs and alcohol, which is something that we discuss. Now, listen to me. If you feel like that you cannot cut off your family, that is absolutely fine. When you go around them, limit the information that you share, okay? So if you do choose to see your family or spend time with them, stay emotionally safe by limiting the information that you share with them that they could potentially use it against you, okay? I have a family member that you can't tell her anything. I don't care how great the moment is. It's like she's looking for information so she can attack you with it. That's it. That's all. Unfortunately, it's someone that you cannot trust, but they have issues within themselves. And a lot of times they make those who they wish they could be, who they jealous of, who they do not understand how they move. And they won't ever tell you this to your face that they admire you or they look up to you. They they gonna hit you with something negative. Like you not nobody to look up to, like different things like that. But that's how they cope. So to protect your space, your emotionally uh your emotional space, you limit your information you can you you share with them. You keep that conversation as general and shallow as you possibly can. And refocus the, the conversation back to them as possible. They ask you how work doing. Work is good. So how about you? What's going on with you? And I don't care if you got a promotion. Don't tell them anything. They don't, they're not trying to hear nothing positive about you anyway. They're going to judge it regardless. So just limit your information. Set boundaries. Set boundaries. You can't verbalize when you aren't un- when you aren't comfortable discussing a certain subject. You have every right to. Okay, because please believe when you come across toxic family members and you come and there are so many in your in a dysfunctional family, you're going 
to come across this, there's a good chance that your boundaries will be violated. Okay? And this don't have anything to do with you. They probably violate everybody's boundaries, <laughs> to be honest. Anybody that they have um that they have any type of jealousy towards or contempt with or just anything, they are going to violate boundaries. You are not the only one. Just try to change the subject or just remove yourself from the subject. I mean, from the conversation. You could just politely say, you know, I'm going to go get some fresh air. I'll be back. Oh, you know what? I don't even have time to talk about that. I don't even want to talk about that. That just makes me uncomfortable. Um, But I, I hear about, I heard that you was doing this though, you know, or so once again, what's going on with you? Refocus, refocus. Push come to shove. You know what? I got to get up early tomorrow morning. So I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to leave out right now. And then we'll catch up later. Simple as that. Simple as that. It is going to be very important that you decompress after a stressful interaction. So it's not only important to prepare yourself for a stressful interaction with your family, but you have to also know how to return to a calm state afterwards. If you still choose to interact with your family, this is something, your dysfunctional family members or dysfunctional family, this is something that is going to be vital for you. This is how you center yourself and you align yourself. Because it takes a lot to interact with family members that you know is going to alter your mood or something at altering your mood. And it takes so much out of you that you have to have a ritual so you can get back into the habit of practicing as a way to go to ground yourself. That's what you're really trying to do. You're trying to ground yourself after an intense interaction. And this can include lighting candles, meditating, taking a dog for a walk outside, or you just going on a walk outside, or you have a sun porch, or you have a balcony, just sitting out there and just being one with nature. Take a hot shower. Or take a long hot bubble bath. Put on um put on a show that you like. And make sure it's not dark. Put on something comical. Put on something light. My friend, she likes to write um affirmations for herself. Almost like Mary Jane, being Mary Jane with Gabrielle Union. And she likes to do things like that and put them into a jar. And it helps remind her of who she is. It helps centers her. Journal. Set in soul. Set S-E-T-N-I-N soul. S-O-U-L. They are revamping their site. However, they have journals on sale and I have like six of these journals. They have a journal for every part of life that you could be experiencing right now. Journal your thoughts. Sometimes you need to let it out. Listen to some music, some relaxing music. Listen to the sounds of rain if you have to. You do whatever it is that you need. Create different routines if you need to, to help you feel better. If you are a minor and your family is abusing you, you do have options. Don't think you don't. 
Okay, be sure to document as much as you can, noting dates and incidents that these injuries occurred, whether they was emotional, physical, whatever. And contact the police right away. And in the meantime, you try to find a safe place to stay, such as a family member's or a friend's house. Now, this is not for just because you came in after um you came in after curfew and you got snapped on. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone that targets you and abuses you, degrades you, demeaning you, neglect you in every way. Extreme. My favorite. In contact. <laughs> That's my favorite one. and But it's the hardest one to do. But once you cross that line, you will not regret it. You will not regret it. When you look back, it will be painful. When you reflect, it will be painful. Don't get me wrong, but you have no ownership of that. Is their loss not yours? It is healthier to stop seeing dysfunctional family members instead of trying to stick it out. Sometimes it just is. If spending time with certain family members or a group of family members is causing you stress that is negatively impacting other aspects of your life, you may want to consider setting firm no contact boundaries with them. I think the block option was the best damn option that could ever been created for a phone i just think that is just beautiful and people some people judge me for blocking but my my response to that is why would i allow someone who is verbally mentally emotionally draining and abusing me to have access to me that never made sense they're not paying my cell phone bill. They're not, they're not paying anything over here. And it takes a whole lot to keep this train nice and oil and going. But I'm not asking them for any type of assistance. I got this. So my consideration of how these people or that person feels is very limited. Because if I dread talking to you, that means that you are pretty much attacking my spirit. This, a lot of times it goes beyond just our physical appearance. Some people don't like you because of your spirit. And when a person don't like your spirit, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. And yes, you have family members that do not like your spirit. God gave you this spirit. There's nothing you can do about it. And yet you will have people, specifically family members, that will come to attempt to destroy and conquer you. Because it's not that you did anything wrong to them, even though if you tell a lie long enough in your head, you will start believing it and create your own narrative and your own world about it. And you might even get a nice audience. That's poison. That's toxic. Their soul need rehabilitation. So you know yours don't have a chance in hell when you're around people like this.
Some people don't like your spirit. No matter how nice you are and different things like that, they're always going to take advantage. They're going to be opportunists. They are going to be about self and they're going to attempt to destroy you in the process. Block them and walk away. Why are you allowing such a person to have access to you? Because y'all blood or because you are related? Got to come better than that. Got to come better than that. Blood may be thickening in water, but I've never heard of anyone surviving without water in this world. You need water to live. Remember that. And please understand, If seeing your family members is detrimental to your mental and emotional well-being, you have every right to choose not to be around them. It is normal to feel guilty. Remember, like I said, you're going to feel guilty. You might feel confused, angry that they even put you in this situation because you're like, why we just can't be a family, especially when you see how other like normal families, even those that have issues within their family, but you see how they still have a healthy way of approaching it and coping, right? Because no family is perfect. Every family got shit going on in it. However, it's how you approach the situation. It's how you address the situation. And you're just angry because you like, there's a better way of going about it. How did I get caught up in a family like this that does not even know how to move appropriately? And they're not even trying to learn how to move appropriately because they don't see anything wrong with what they did or what they're doing. You're the problem, not them. So that will cause anger, right? You will become sad about having to make this decision. This is not a decision that you make lightly you're leaving a lot behind but it's very vital that you do that you have to do that it's important to prioritize your health and when family members start questioning your absence you don't have to give them all details you can just tell them like i'm just i'm not comfortable attending you know the upcoming family event you know, based on my relationship with so-and-so. But I'd love to catch up with you. Maybe we can get together. I come to your house and come to my house or we can meet at a cafe or restaurant or something. Or you can just tell them, you know, just oh, thank you for the invite. But, you know, unfortunately, I'm not in the best place with so-and-so. So I'm just going to bow out. I don't want no one to feel uncomfortable, nor do I want to feel uncomfortable. And you know this person is going to come because antagonizing and patronizing you or making you uncomfortable, that is on their agenda. That's on their agenda. This is who they are. They're going to bring negativity everywhere they go. It's just like somebody that stepped into a pile of shit and not clean off their shoes. Everywhere they go, you're going to smell it and they're going to leave a track. That's what negative family members do, dysfunctional family members do. Everywhere they go, they leave negativity. Or you could just simply say, you know what, you decided to give yourself some space. The person, you're not in the best place with them. The situation was too negative that, you know, when you experienced whatever it was. So you're not going to be heading to any family events 
no time soon at this moment. Leave it at that. It's not meant for people to. It's not meant for people to like it. Just accept my decision. And guess what? Most family members will accept your decision because they know how dysfunctional the specific family member or members that you're talking about, especially extended family. They know which one of your immediate family members is toxic, but they don't have to see them every day. They don't have to be bothered with them every day. They can see them on a holiday, so it's not a big deal. But they clearly understand where you're coming from, and secretly they support it. And to be honest, they probably feel sorry for you because they up here like, I don't know how she does it because I won't want nobody like that in my immediate family. I'm so happy that person is an extended one. Now, this one is very important. Oftentimes, those who grow up in dysfunctional families feel shame, guilt, and anxiety as an adult. Because there is some shame to that. Once you realize that you have lived in a, with, you survived and lived in a dysfunctional family, that damn, this really was a dysfunct this really is a dysfunctional family. There is shame to that. Especially when people who grew up with you is saying, like, well, I know, like, it was, I was wondering, like, how was you related and different things like that. You do feel some type of shame there. Cause you just, once again, you're like, I don't understand how my family acts and behaves like this, but other families don't. You know, you went through the same situation that someone else's family went through and you see how they handle it. You're trying to figure out, like, why my family was incapable of addressing it like that. Why did it have to be so bad? Why did it have to be so negative? Why did it have to be so detrimental? Why did it have to be so debilitating? Why did it have to be so malevolent? Why, why just couldn't be normal? You... That's normal. That I'm telling you right now, those thoughts are normal. We all who have experienced dysfunctional family and family members and have survived it and escaped it. That's normal. You may also experience symptoms of depression. And like I said earlier, post-traumatic stress disorder. That's normal too. But there's plenty of resources available if you're having difficult times on a daily, doing like your daily basis or your daily tasks on a daily basis and but you have to keep in mind that you've gotten so far you overcame a whole lot give yourself some grace and keep in mind the coping skills you develop while living in a dysfunctional household and that those may not be the healthiest so don't that's going to be the most comfortable first reaction to go to what you know don't do that that's not healthy for you Okay, they wasn't the healthiest. They're not the healthiest. But in your mind, they helped me survive at the time. But that was that time. You're not there anymore. You developed healthy ways of coping. Be mindful of that. And use those mechanisms. Do not go back to the unhealthy coping skills that you develop 
by living in your dysfunctional household all that time. You did that to survive. To survive. You survived it. So think about how you cope with stress or rejection in emotional situations now or what you have learned. Use those. And if you haven't learned, just try something new. Listening to the podcast could be something new. Podcasts are our are, are coping skills. That's, that's, that's a healthy way of coping. Because it does make you understand that you're not by yourself. That someone understands me. Someone sees me. Because a lot of times this does feel like that we're on an island alone. But you're not. Potentially see a therapist or a counselor for further growth. For further growth. I have a psychiatrist and a therapist. And I am better because of it. And I have a wonderful spiritual family that I created for myself. These are people who I chose to be part of my inner circle. Who have replaced some of those who are no longer with me. That I admired, that I looked up to, that was full of wisdom, that was family orientated. But even they had ways of coping with our dysfunctional family members. And a lot of times they sacrificed themselves. That's something I did not want to do. So as my loved ones who had that wisdom was transitioning to God, I feel like that my grandmother or God himself brought others into my path that was so, that mirrors the people who I lost, but mirrors them in a way that they would have been if they wasn't part of a dysfunctional family. And I'm better for it. So you have to care for yourself. You have to care for yourself. Like I said, go for a walk. Listen to soothing, a soothing playlist. Create your own playlist. A playlist where when you're feeling emotionally overwhelmed that this is going to relax you. Identify your triggers too though. By noting your emotions. That's why I'm telling you to write them out if you can. Do poetry. I had a poetry binder growing up. The situation that set off how you're feeling. Your automatic responses to the trigger. Write all of that down. Even if your response was the survivor response that you used growing up. Write down what you prefer to do next time. And let that be in the frontal lobe of your brain. I always say there's nothing wrong with extra support. Seek out a therapist or a counselor, a psychologist or a psychiatrist if need be. Practice breathing exercises to bring yourself back to a calm state. People don't think that that works, but it does. And actually play calming music in the background. It really does. Try progressive muscle relaxation to release physical tension in your body. Yoga. My friend, she loves to exercise a lot. That's a stress reliever, to be honest. I just started back with my trainer, and I felt so good yesterday being in the gym. 
you do there is a sense of accomplishment because you're doing something for self and you know that in the long run you're going to benefit from it your body going to benefit from it your spirit going to benefit from it your mind going to benefit from it your emotions is going to benefit from it it's a it's a whole body wellness when you go into that gym like i said journal draw paint use any creative any any, any creative inklings that you have okay that can be part of your process it helps you to process the interactions that you experience with your dysfunctional family come up with your own mantra for yourself to keep in mind during and after you interact with, with your family if you still choose to interact with them it's a tell yourself one sentence but it's something that you have in a car have on your recording on the phone it's something that you have it's something that you have and it reminds you of who you are before and after. People don't like to believe this, but spend some time with an animal. Spend some time with an animal. If your friend have a, I'm not telling you to go out and adopt an animal, but what I'm saying is that if your friend have a puppy or a dog or something or a cat or, or anything, like spend some time with an animal. They are natural stress relievers. They can pick up on negative energy sad energy when my grandmother died i was in such a really dark depression and for a very long time that i didn't think i was gonna get out of and my dog and my friend dog i'll never forget my friend dog when i go over to her house he just look at me and keep it moving but when my grandmother passed away he whenever i go to a house he just come over to me he'll lay on me he would lick my hand um he let me rub him and he stayed there with me throughout the whole time and just letting me know like i'm here i love you my dog would come into my room and lay in my bed and i felt her licking my hand one time and different things like that animals are natural stress relievers they're non-judgmental they don't know why you in a situation. They don't even care. They just know you have a good spirit. You're a good person. You somebody that they care about and they love and you're hurting. And they just want to relieve some of that hurt. Plan some fun activities to do after intense interaction with your family members. It gives you something to look forward to. You know, if you want to interact with them, I would make sure it's limited so right after that I, i've already made plans i'm going out with my girls or i'm going to do this so there's a part like always have plans right after right after so you keep your visits short and you're not lying you do have plans and don't nobody care what nobody don't you don't care what nobody think this is about protecting your space your mental and emotional space Treat yourself to a massage or acup uh, uh, acupuncture um, to relieve physical tightness. My friend, one of my friends, she gets a massage every month, and I'm not even mad at her. I have another friend, she goes to the spa. She get she get a facial, and she get um and she get her sho her shoulders and her back massage. Like she has to have it. I'm not mad at her. There's a difference between self care and maintenance. There's a whole nother segment, but this is. This is mandatory. This is mandatory. 
You need to treat yourself because you endured a lot. But you also don't want to be tense up coming back home into your space. That's what I'm saying. If you can't get to a massage, take a hot bath. Relax yourself. Shit, just be happy you survived the interaction. And just be happy that you can choose when you decide that you want to encounter them again. Talk about the interactions with your family that members that you trust or just with trusted friends. Period. And last but not least, know your limits. Know your boundaries. And do not put others before your limits and your boundaries. There's a key word in there. It's called your. This is all about you and nobody else. Because you better believe that the person that calls you all of that anger, all of that um, uncomfort, all of that negativity, all of that tension, they're sleeping peacefully. They are happy. They have accomplished their goal, baby. They have. So it's very vital that you know your limits and you're not doing something for the happiness of other people who can get two shits about your happiness. If you don't want to participate in a holiday, it's okay. I'd rather spend Thanksgiving with friends than spend Thanksgiving with family members who is going to drain my energy and going to make me regret that I even spent this holiday with them. No, no. Set your limits unapologetically. Okay, so that was a lot that we talked about. That was a lot that we discussed. And I am going to end this podcast on this note. I feel like that we went through so much. This probably went past my 30-minute mark, but I'm sorry. Not sorry. This is something that really needed to be discussed. So thank you, my loves, for listening and sharing your time with me. It was amazing discussing my thoughts with you. I actually enjoyed it. And don't forget to tune in to the School of You podcast every Tuesdays and Thursday mornings where you're going to partake in riveting discussions with me and maybe a surprise guest, okay? You just have to tune in to hear my loves. Please have a blessed and stress-free day and thank you for spending your time with me and you all be safe out here. Bye.